Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, welcome to What's the Hype Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Wade. And I'm Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. And this is What's the Hype. What's the Hype? It's helping young people excel. And it's also cutting through all of the hype, the glitz, the glamour that surrounds the sports industry and give tangible insight from our experience and our guests to help you get a better understanding of the business and all that comes with the sports industry. All my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, look. All my life, been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice. Not use that platform that we built all these years. You know what I mean? Like you, you're you're quick to tell somebody in it. And when you're in the NFL, when you're pulling up to the club, mm-hmm. hey, I'm in the NFL, right? But when you go to an interview for the next chapter, or you're setting up for the next chapter while you're still playing, you won't say, "Hey, I'm in the NFL. I want to start setting up for my future." I want to do this. Like, why don't we? Why don't we reach out there and, and, and do that? We'd rather spend money to gain fame and everything from everybody else instead of setting up our lives. You know what I mean for the future. Be- I think it's because the narrative been 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 presented that way, right? So all we know as kids growing up playing this game is. You know, get to the league, make money, ball out, get girls. Like, there's no real narrative or there's no real um, instilling of this to the younger generation or the younger kids that, man, listen, get to the league, leverage those opportunities where you can turn it into a, a successful life after that, man. You know, like, some, you can go and play three years. It don't have to be a 10, 15, 20-year career like uh, Rashad Mendenhall, right? He was a right, running back, right. you know what I'm saying, who played – Retired on his on his own terms and now is into TV and stuff like that. Like man, leverage this because people want to be your friend and talk to you when you in the league. They want to hang around. They want to be cool. But instead of the players thinking like, uh, let me allow this guy just to be around or whatever it is. Like no, let me see what this guy is doing and what can I learn from him or how can we partner together on stuff that's bigger than just this game. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's mindsets. Exactly, and that's that's the thing. Just coming, me coming from Lakeland, Florida, man. You know, seeing Ray Lewis, and you know, you know, seeing guys like the Pouncey Twins, Chris Rainey, and you know, a lot of the older guys. It's like, what are they? And not to say nothing bad about them, because everybody made it to the league, you know. But what are they doing after football? What are we doing? You know, Ray Lewis has a legacy that's great, and he can do whatever he wants. But mm-hmm. there's so many guys that grew up in Florida that just depend on football only. 100%. No, we're not expanding. You know what I mean? Like, do something that makes you happy. Don't just do it because the money there. If, if you're really happy, you're going to go hard for it. Just like you did with football, it's going to be successful. But most guys are scared to do that. You know, like, I had to learn how, just coming from Florida, I had to learn how to... To, to speak you know because everywhere I went they like what you said what does that mean exactly because I'm used to that Florida accent mm-hmm. so going around you know uh, to a different high school in Atlanta you know it was majority white Asian you know uh, my last two years and I'm like dang they just kept saying that so they you know slowly helped me 
to learn how to pronounce my words, knowing how to cut it on and off when I'm in a meeting, knowing how to, to, you know, do interviews and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, if everybody where I'm from learn how to do this, we'll be more successful instead of looking crazy, instead of giving up, instead of just focusing on football because we train, what, 24 years, 25 years, maybe even 21 years to play a game that the career is only three years. So it's like we spent more time training than than the career is even worse. But see, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you're right. And I, but what I think is is just that because everything is just so short sighted, right? Even where, right. even when we when you talk about the language and how we speak, is because we don't see anything outside of what it is that we've been exposed to. So it comes right. down to exposure, you know. But with that being said, right? We 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 just want to we're gonna jump in and talk about. Obviously, you mentioned that you're from Lakeland and some of the guys that. That, that you saw coming up. Uh, just tell us a little bit about when you first started playing sports uh, growing up there in Lakeland. Uh, I started playing sports at the age of four years old, man, at Duff Field in Lakeland, Florida. Um, you know, Duff uh, and Powell Police Department, man, they, they allowed us to play for $16 a year. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. They provided the, the uh, shoulder pads and everything because that's all we know down there, mm-hmm. you know, in Florida, you know, chasing rabbits and all type of stuff like that, and and we it's so many people that's great. You know, it's you have those those people that's in the hood, and you're like, man, if he would have only had his head straight. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be one of those people. My whole family plays sports. You know, I got eleven uncles and aunties, man, and all of them was great. But if I tell you how many made made it out, which is zero, you'll be shocked, like. Out of 11 of them, how many made it out? And all of them, you know, got at least three, four kids. And I'm the only one that made it out. So, you know, I wanted them to make it. But coming from there, our mindset is different, man. And, you know, it was hard for me growing up. You know, I'm glad I got to see people like Ray Lewis. And I looked up to Ray Lewis, man, my my whole career because I know, you know, his struggle and my mom, them. My mom used to watch Ray Lewis, and I'm like, man, I got to make it. I got to make it. I got to make it. Ray throwing these free camps. I'm like, I want to be able to do this one day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, dang. It was it was tough, man, from, you know, getting shot at when, you know, when you're, you know, mid-ages and having a gun pointed at your head when you're four or five years old and you're not knowing what's going on, but you're in those situations right. to where it's, it's survival. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's either, you know, you're going to give up and fall into the drug game, which everybody does down there, and or you're going to end up in jail, uh, you know, or you're going to end up working for somebody for the rest of your life. And, you know, you're going to end up, um, you're going to end up doing things you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that. So that's always been my drive, man, just going to the YMCA, you know, being so good that the the coaches pay for me to play every sport so I don't have to be in the streets. And I learned that at a a, a younger age. I found love in football that I didn't find in my home, you know. And, uh, man, I just, just doing that and just continue, continue um, to to grind every day and just learn about the game and watch Deion Sanders and, you know, uh, Sean Taylor and Clint Cordes and all those guys. I wanted it bad, so 
I had to do it, man, and I'm, I'm glad it turned out how it turned out. I know you just said about some of the guys you kind of looked up to, but going back to some of the coaches that kind of helped you um, with growing up in that area, what what kind of coach, what coach just kind of stands out to you that just kind of really kind of helped make that impact on you? Uh, from from my earlier stage in life or just overall that I can say? More more in your earlier stage, like how you said, you um, know, kind of just in that, in that realm of like coaches that was kind of helping you to just kind of push you into that realm and who was kind of watching really, out for you growing up. Just at the younger stage, I really couldn't, um, like in, in Lakeland, I really couldn't say it was a coach that did that. I think it was just the culture, you okay. know what I mean? Just yeah. at a young age, it was just the culture around there. It's just competing with so many talents in Florida and knowing, like, I wanted to be the best. Okay. You know, and it, a lot of coaches around there coach their kids, like, so they really wasn't focused on the the, the kids from the, you know, the uh, my area, which was the bad area of Florida. You know, they was basically focused on their kids and making their kids, you know, the stars of the team. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was just a grind, man, and just everything we did was football in the field, in the streets. You know, I mean, on the concrete. You know baseball on the concrete, you know, tackle football on the concrete, you know what I mean? Pick them up, bust them up, you know what I mean? Just just continuously to study the game and, gotcha. and, and just want that, man. It's, it's it's a mindset in Florida, man. Gotcha. You go back there, you see the little kids doing the same thing, you know? So at that early stage for me, it wasn't a coach. It wasn't a, I didn't have that father figure in my life. I didn't have a mom at every game. It was just, you know what I mean? something that was within me that I knew I was destined for greatness later on in life, man. I'm glad you say that, right? Because, you know, being so being from Florida and understanding that culture, you're speaking 100% facts that the game is so competitive and it's so inspiring the guys that you are around that by natural uh, by natural evolution, like it, it it makes some it creates some of the best guys in that this game has ever seen. When you even look at the Correct. pro level level, is because the 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 culture that surrounds the game and guys wanting to be better than that next guy, not knowing well knowing that man this guy's good, but not knowing that this guy can be a potential NFL Hall of Fame or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It just forces that level um, of that level of play, and it just takes again. You talk about not even receiving a love in a home, and how again sports replaced that love for a lot of us man yes, like not, yes, no father figure yes. mom you know what i'm saying other issues so like sports became that outlet so um i, I totally agree with you 100 percent. but let's talk about a little bit about uh you making that transition to uh to georgia what was that transition like um for you man it was a it was a major shocker man um you know just that was the first time i ever experienced being out of my comfort zone and I didn't know what the hell that feeling was you know just being in Florida my whole life my family there my friends you know everybody I grew up with I knew you know in Florida we we, you know we young we walk around the streets we could go across town if we want to because we know that area Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but going to Georgia it was just so crazy for me and I'm like what am I gonna do you know so for maybe a year I didn't play football or nothing I was just like what is going on 
you know, and I moved up there, you know, with my dad, and I'm like, yo, like, come on, man. Like, is there any sports around here? Is there any this? Is there any that? And he was, you know, just stuck on me, you know, being in my books and this and that. I'm like, man, I ain't worrying about no books. I'm trying to play ball, you know, like, so um, even though I was older, you know, he basically instilled in me, listen, you up here with me. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you're going to get this studies. You're going to learn this. You're going to learn. And I'm like, man, it's, it's, it's too late for all that. You know what I mean? It's too late to try to, you know, not, I love my dad, man. That's my that's my dude now. That's my, my right-hand man. But, you know, I'm older now. It's like, dude, it's too late to try to play dad. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to... The NFL, I've been working so hard for this. I'm trying to get to college and play D1. So, you know, he did trans transpire uh, me in that way, and I did have to to learn, you know, chemistry and, and, and timetables and all of that so fast. Like, he used to time me, and I'm like, dang, only if I would have had this when I was younger. Mm-hmm, but right. that motivated me, too. I'm like, okay, you know, I want to be great. I want my kids to do this. It's all. It's not all about football. You know what I mean, and just transitioning there. Uh, after that, I just, I just, you know, just started training and 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 working out, and, and I started to develop friends there. You know, um, and it was it was a great turnout for me because I was so advanced as an athlete than anybody else around me that it was so easy for me mm-hmm. because of the competition in Florida, like and my dad, you know, having me doing all this work at the crib before um, before I went in the classroom I already knew to answer to most of these questions and I'm like dang you know it was everything seemed bad at first but it, it, it turned out to be good for me because I was advanced in all areas in the classroom and outside of the classroom so I could get everything done when I needed it to and I, I started to learn how to prepare myself and prepare my game and to study in all areas and I feel like that's that's a very important thing that a lot of cats out here, sometimes they don't really understand the importance of being well-versed in the classroom and outside of the classroom as well. Um, just you saying, like, being able, you know, taking a step of learning, like, things that you never really had to do before, where it's like just getting all into your books and things that most cats seem like uh, it's, you know, they want to just go straight to the league and have that mindset, but they don't understand the importance of having that backup mindset of like, hey, I got to make sure I have it good in the books too to take that next step just in case this dream doesn't right. work out for me. Right. But um, so after, so after you know, your time here in Georgia, so kind of tell us about your recruiting process and then how'd you end up at Louisiana Monroe and kind of how that whole process went? Um, well, I transferred schools, um, from Stone Mountain and I went to North Gwinnett my junior year so I was actually supposed to go back to Lakeland because uh, my cousin Ricky Barnum he was a uh, top 150 um, ESPN players so my uncle basically told my mom like hey let him come back to Florida you know go to Lake Gibson and Lakeland or he could go to Lakeland and uh, you know Ricky's already top 150 I think he was the top 50th player in the country and he was like look they could go on scholarship together as a as a uh, dual threat. You know, just let him come back down here. He's going to play basketball, football, run, track, everything. Like, he can stay with us. You know, you don't need no money. 
uh, we don't need no money for them or nothing. Like, so, you know, my family just <laughs> not minding their own business, man. Everybody got into it and they're like, oh, no, he need to stay up there and he don't need to come here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? At the age of 15 or 16, you know, um, I always did research and stuff. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm 16 now. I could divorce my parents. You know, so if it's either I'm a, I gave my mom an ultimatum. I said, "Look, um, it's either you let me go back to to Lakeland, or you, or we could go out here to North Gwinnett High School, and or I'm gonna just divorce you and make my own decision." Wow. And she's like, "What? You can't do that." I said, "Look, it goes. I printed everything. I said, here's the paperwork." At this age, I can do this and make my own decisions. <laughs> so, me doing that because at that point I said, "Man, it's you know my friends was dying, you know everybody was getting killed and everybody was reverting to drugs and you know I'm like, look, man, it's a critical point. Like I got two years left. You know, you know, like nobody knows my struggle. Nobody knows what I went. Through. Nobody knows." Robert using ankle weights, running up a hill, timing myself. You know what I mean? Nobody knows me using ankle weights, backpedaling, and trying to dunk a basketball goal. I use ankle weights for everything. Nobody was out there crying with me late nights or in the weight room and doing this and that. So how can you have a judge, like a judgment on, on my career? Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, it's just like those quotes, you know, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. When I'm out late, and I'm grinding for football, how can you try to stop me? And I'm doing this for us, mom. I'm doing this for us, pops. Right. I'm doing this for my future kids and my brothers and sisters. So with that, that's why I had to take the initiative and do research and see if there's any way I can make my own decision. So when we did that, she said, you know what, let's go Let's go look at North Gwinnett. And I already had a hype going to North Gwinnett, so... Man, it was like half of the people was hitting me up on Facebook, well, MySpace at the time, saying, hey, you should come here. We heard we heard you coming to visit. Come here, come here, come here. You know, and uh, end up going there. Um, you know, they had their guys. It was a little favoritism my junior year. Still balled out, but I didn't start. My senior year, I just took off, man. Every, every interception I had, I took back for a touchdown. Punt returns, touchdown kickoff returns, I broke the record, touchdown, like everything, I was just trying to break records, man, just, I said, this is my last year, I gotta go crazy, so, um, um, and it was, like I said, it was a majority white school, rich, like super rich, and, um, I had to use somebody else's address to go out there, man, so it was kind of like the odds was against me, you know, um, the coaches, you know, they let their guys play, and um, when when uh, when other coaches would come out to talk to the players, they wouldn't call me out of class, even though my stats was over, you know, over average, above average. You know what I mean? And I was just always wondering, like, what's going on? But I didn't have that person, that father figure, or that person in my ear to say, "Hey, we're gonna do this." We're going to have you to take the SAT and the ACT, and mm-hmm. we're going to help you with your recruiting process. Let's put your film together. I didn't have none of that. So 
with that being said, um, I just had to, I just had to grind, man. And you know, Monroe reached out to me. And I'm like, okay, this my, you know, this my first uh, Division One uh, school. Okay, cool. Then later on, as you start taking off more, we went to state. We, you know what I mean? It, it, it just was coming on like how it was supposed to, but I didn't have those coaches to back me up. And um, here, here comes you know uh, signing day. Mark Mark Rick, who used to be the head coach from UGA, mm-hmm. Nick Saban, um, uh, Bobby Bowden's son when he was the coach at Clemson, right. And Florida Gators, they had a coach out there. I think he was a running back coach at the time. He was bald head, black bald head guy. I was like, dang, all these guys is here. And I didn't even know who Nick Saban was, to be honest with you. I just saw a guy sitting in my coach uh, uh, chair with a straw hat on. And I'm like, dang, you know what I mean? Why is this guy sitting in my coach? And they got my film on, legs crossed. It's like, hey, watching your film right now. We love it. He said, it's out of you and another guy. You're the guy. And, and, and it was Arkansas there also. And Nick Saban said, so when do you, uh, you get your, your results back? I'm like, what results? From the ACT or the SAT, I said, oh, well, I take the ACT and the SAT after signing day. And he just dropped the, uh, he dropped the uh, remote to the film. It was like, really? Like, Y'all didn't have him to take the ACT or the SAT, and my coach just sitting right there speechless. Like, like what's going on? It was like, you know, we can't even take that chance on you because you don't have, you haven't even took taken the test. You know, um, like you haven't even done anything. You're basically like you're lost right now. If you fail the ACT or the SAT. And we signed you. We lost out on a guy. We got to go with the guaranteed guy. Wow. And I just was like, what? I just like, man, I just dropped my head. I was like, this can't be happening right now. He was like, we wanted you because you're the better guy. Now we can't take a chance. You, you know, Nick said, Louisiana Monroe is in the back room waiting on you. You know that's so crazy because, but it's, but it's reality because when when people out there don't really understand how the politics play out and coaching, you know, on a high school level where you know coaches push certain guys right and they right. and they make sure certain guys are ready to go opposed to you know just in general everybody and even you know some of those guys that may not have that that guidance that they know that they can have an impact on but it's not really about that it's more about their agenda so when it comes to stuff like that you just never know um you know all the different aspects that plays a part in where why a person ended up somewhere when they had all this different talent you know that you know that they should have played at another level but because of so much stuff that goes with that politics and stuff so um when we talk about louisiana monroe so you end up going to louisiana monroe and 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 and, and during your time there uh you play basketball and football right so tell us a little bit about that process man how you know what, what was that what was that like Oh no! It was, it was great, man. Just you know, doing these sports my whole life. So the, the basketball coach actually he showed up to football practice one day uh, because I had um, scholarships offers to you know play at Division One schools and stuff like just from AAU, you know, uh, 
Kansas and, and and places like that. And and when I say Kansas, um, you know the Jayhawks. And I remember they had one of uh, smaller guys, so I, I I felt like I had an opportunity to play there. You know, just seeing the smaller guard they had. But um, going to Monroe, the guy, the coach came up to me, Coach Orlando. Um, he came up to me and was like, "Hey, like you're the guy that has the buzz. Um, everybody's been talking about you." I showed up at football practice because I wanna, you know, I want you to be the point guard for our team. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah, like, you know, we 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 made it a priority to come to come see you because we need you. I said, okay, you know, sounds good. You know, let the basketball, the football coaches know. And um, after that, after football season, man, just going over the basketball, it was just, it was like a. A uh, breath of fresh air, man, because it was totally different from football. Like, you know, you, you they give you a card, you eat what you want to eat, and you just bring the coach the receipt. You don't have to beg uh, equipment managers for gear. Mm. You go back in a room, you get what you want. It's a player's lounge. It's only, what, 12 of us. Right. Um, you, you go to different states. You know, your family can come to the hotel room. You stand in one one state for five days and playing two games. You can go to the mall. You can relax. You know, there's no pressure. You know, and I, I, you know, I fell love in love with football. I mean, basketball all over again. I'm like, man, should I be doing this, or should I be, you know, putting my body through all of this pain and crashing into people forever? Right. When basketball players really get the love and, and the respect of the game, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna just do both. Um, so they really embraced me over there. You know, I played my role. Um, I had a, a senior who was a great guy, man, Tony Hooper, man. He was he was ahead of me, um, but we used to go at it. Me, this freshman coming in, advanced can that can dunk, that can windmill, that you know had the awareness in all areas you know as a point guard and I could just do it all man and you know I pushed those guys to be greater they pushed me to be greater man and I just I was happy where I was man totally it was one of the best experiences of my college career seriously hey man that, that that's that's much respect like being a two sport athlete in college is is no joke like just the demands that it takes to just be able to balance both like through half the year and class and things like that that's much respect right there um so after after so what what made you uh what was the process of you uh transferring to arizona state oh so (laughs) my my sophomore year coming in two sport athlete um uh face around on posters around campus you know Going into the second season, I'm like, I'm about to dominate. We end up playing Cam Newton, uh, Arkansas, LSU that year. We played LSU the game before our last game. So going into that second season, I was projected to go second round in the NFL as a sophomore. So I'm like, you know what? This is the year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I had no plans of going to Arizona State at that time. Like, I, I did, but... Everything was going so well at Monroe that I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can make it out of here because I played my freshman year. I played against Arizona State, mm-hmm. so that's the first time I knew about Arizona State. And it was it was crazy. It was amazing. 
Everything was beautiful out there. The skies, the fans, the stadium was on a mountain. It was just love. And I said, you know what? I'm a transfer here. But everything was going so good for me at the time. I had no, you know, I had no ambition to go because I knew I could make it out of Monroe. And uh, after that, we played against, we played Auburn like the third game. And, you know, I read a screenplay and one of the linemen pushed me in the back after the play and I tore my labrum in my hip. So, um, I didn't know what it was. I think it was a hip pointer at first, but I played week and week on it, and I just continued to ball week and week, and it got worse and worse and worse. In practice, my, my hip started dying out, and I'm falling. like can't backpedal. I'm like, what's going on? So, with a smaller school like Monroe, you know, they're going to push you through the season mm-hmm. and not get you checked out because if you get checked out, there's possibly something seriously wrong and you got to sit out. You know, you're done. So uh, they didn't get me checked out. I kept pushing. I kept pushing. Everybody we played, I completely shut down. Even LSU. And I was the punt returner, kick returner, and starting corner. Um, after that season... I went to LSU to see LSU's doctor, and he was like, I watched the game against you, uh, that we played against you, and I don't even know how you were able to play this game because your labrum is completely torn. He said, you don't even supposed to be able to walk. And he said, I don't know how you did it. I said, man, I knew something was really wrong, but my mindset wouldn't let me say that I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. I gotta make it. I gotta make it. So if I was holding out one game, I'll be letting my team down. I'll be letting Lakeland down. I'll be letting everything I built, my family, my future, I'll be letting it down. So I had to find a way to push through that pain. That was like, you know, out of sight, out of mind for me. It don't matter. I was gonna play in that game regardless. All of those games, it was like, wow, I never heard nothing like that. We did the surgery and the, the coaches they really didn't want to pay for the surgery. So I was like, you know what? If I could do everything for this school and they don't care about my health, I don't need to be here. So I started to get my classes together uh, um, for the coaches to sign going into the next the next uh, year uh, to resign my um, scholarship. The coach knew what was going on. He didn't want to resign my um, scholarship papers. He was like, you're not going nowhere. Um, I'm not signing off on these classes. So I'm like, wow, you know, it's crazy. So I said, okay, it's fine. So I started a clothing line. What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships, so you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I said, I'm going to start a clothing line to pay for my classes and I'm getting out of here. So I started a clothing line. was named Broke Billionaires at first. And me having the impact from 
a basketball standpoint and a football standpoint. Everyone knows basketball players dress better than football players majority of the time. So I use both platforms to uh, make over $3,000 in the first month um, of my clothing line release. And I use that to pay for my classes. And once we did that, the news got a hold of it around campus and they uh, turned me into the NCAA. And um, I had to get reinstated. Um, that's the same year Cam went through everything he went through. He got reinstated in a week. And I, it took me three months to get reinstated. I had to get lawyers and everything. So I was like, you know what? There's no way I'm coming back here, period. And um, it was just super crazy. And Coach Dennis Erickson, I was reaching out to him, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what? I got Oregon, Ole Miss, Florida, Georgia. Everybody wants me to come here now. I said, God is telling me and giving me signs everywhere. Just Arizona. I just keep seeing Arizona. I said, I'll drop all of those offers and I'll walk on to Arizona State because God telling me to go there. And he was like, son, I never heard nothing like that in my life. But we're waiting on you. And as soon as I got there, I went up there with a 501 jeans, gray Jordans, one pair of underwear, and a blue polo shirt with the uh, orange horse on it. As soon as I got up to, to his office, he slid a paper my way and said, we made a scholarship for you. Congratulations. Man, you see how God worked things out, man. That's just... You know, that's following, you know, following your heart, following, you know, the guidance that, you know, where you're destined to be. But, you know, I, what I like to always ask guys about is is when did they, you know, realize that college sports was a business? And being that you experienced all that you experienced there, I, I you know, I can't help but notice, you know, your, your thought process like, man, this is really a business. And that's what a lot of kids don't really understand. They just, they right. think that it's just because I love football so much and it's all I want to do and I want, I don't care what, but it's really a business when it comes to yes. college sports. Yeah, that's, that, that was my first taste of it right there, my sophomore year, um, when I knew that I was being used. Mm-hmm. You know, when this decision is for me and my parents and my family for the rest of our lives, and they won't even pay for my surgery. They'll use me up and won't pay for my surgery when I served, you know, I served. It's just like a, a veteran serving for the country, and they Absolutely. don't have any benefits. Absolutely. That's how I felt. I felt used and abused, man. And they went, you know, me starting a clothing line, and they turned me into the NCAA. I'm like, wow. Said I was using my my face and my likeness. I'm like, it's my face. Hey. It's my likeness. Exactly. But they can so, use yours to make millions of dollars. Yes. But you can't use yes. your own to make enough to pay for your scholarship. This is un like unreal. You yes. know. And this is the, the part of. I mean, I have my this this the same stuff. You know, having the conversations about should athletes be paid? Absolutely, they should be paid. You know, because. They're putting their lives on the line. You know, fans are coming and joining, spending money. They're buying those jerseys because those players are wearing those jerseys. Yes. Why can't they? They talk about this this idea of education. Like, it, that's all BS, like, to be honest I'm with a, you. I'm, like, And, and I'm going to tell you like this. It's, it's not all about education because in Monroe, I was a sports medicine major. 
when I got to Arizona State, they changed my major for me to play football because my major was a conflict of interest um, around practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't want to change my major. So it's really not. We're not worrying about your future. Exactly. Because if we're worrying about your future, we're gonna adapt to your schedule mm-hmm. and what you want to do <laughs> after football. You know and. Yeah, I got two degrees out of it, criminal justice and sociology, but I'm not going to do anything with the criminal field or sociology. Man, now, with sports medicine, you know, I could have been a trainer. Mm-hmm. I could have did this, that, you know, anything. And this is but, this is the stuff that people don't hear. Like, I, you know, being a college athlete myself, like I seen where my teammates had to change their their their, their schedules because it conflicted with practice, and you know, and that results, uh, you know. Uh, ultimately, to have to shift sometime what their major is because because football is king of because sports is paying for it. So like this is the stuff that they're not talking about. You know what I'm saying? And it, it really impacts guys. And when they talk about this education stuff, guys are getting degrees and feels that they're not going to ever use those degrees. Yes, and they wonder why a lot of NFL guys is not doing nothing with their lives after the game because <laughs> what do you you're, you're not going to be doing what do you, what you want to do. Somebody forced you to do that. You didn't have a choice. Hey, son, it's either you take this, take this scholarship, or you go somewhere else. This is what we're offering you. And if not, oh well, go to another school. They're gonna tell you the same thing. So that's why a lot of guys end up, you know, selling drugs after the game, doing this, going to jail. You know, have five and six kids, and not being able to provide for them because someone basically took what they wanted away from them without them having any say-so about it. Wow. That's the that's that's deep, and that's that is that's a real aspect of college sports that just a lot of people don't really understand, and just knowing how you know the system kind of works. Um, but just to kind of move the segue a little, uh, move it along a little bit. So let's talk about kind of your senior year. Uh, I know you was like first team all Pac-12 performer and stuff like that. Um, right. I know you've always had that in your mind that NFL was your goal, but. Right at what point did you know when you know you had uh, scouts actually come and look at you? You know you really knew that this was your shot that I, they I the NFL was calling. I did it. It was it was kind of the same process from high school. Um, you know, uh, it, it was it was different, and I felt that way. I felt I got blackballed in the beginning because um, when I transferred there, well. The next year, I was eligible to play because I had to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. I moved my nephew, uh, Shaquille Taylor, which is he's currently in the NFL with the uh, Colts right now. Um, uh, I moved him up to Arizona from Florida, mm-hmm. you know, because I know, you know, he didn't have, you know, uh, he didn't have a chance when he was down there in Florida, man. And he, he used to call me and say, "Hey, Uncle, can you send me some shoes? I don't have no shoes for school." I don't have no money. I'm eating one time a day. I don't know what I want to do. Like, I I don't have no support. Like, can I move with you? And I told my sister, I said, hey, let him come up here with me. Like, you know, I don't have much, but, you know, I'm playing at Arizona State. And, um, you know, I have the opportunity to basically show him something new that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we fought and fought and fought and, you know, you know how it is, Pope. Uh, 
no uh, social security check to get taken. I said, we don't need that. We're good. Right. I'll take care of them. That's my next goal. I want them to be greater than me. And uh, we end up, I had to go get custody of them. So basically, I couldn't give up. Now I had something to push me even more because this is like my son now. I trained him every day, did my did what I had to do with with Arizona State, went to school, and we we we, we grew it together. And um and and after that, like he saw everything I was going through. I got blackballed by by my coach and not seen because the persona at Arizona State was all guys from Florida smokes weed and are bad guys and and that. So I got blackballed in that field and I just grind, man. I got my position taken taken away from me because one of my cousins passed away in Florida and I I went to the funeral. Just little stuff like that that mm-hmm. people don't know that you deal with. Right. When you put family over football, you get judged. You know, but if it was the other way around a coach is going to leave, hey, hey, I'm not going to be there, or hey, I'm going to miss practice because my family member died. But it was different. Right. And I didn't get, I, I just had to, I just had to grind. And nobody don't know my senior year, I didn't fully start until the fourth game of the season. I split time with a guy every other series that the coach brought when he came over from Pittsburgh um, until we played Stanford. And the guy got beat for a, uh, uh, um, a post route for a touchdown, and Coach Kennedy was like, "You're starting every every game after this." And after that, I got six interceptions, like the next what five weeks, and started punt return, kickoff return, and corner. And I traveled with the best receiver, like guys Brandon Cooks, Marquise Lee, Paul Richardson. All these guys got drafted first and second round. And I'm first-team All-Pac-12, led the nation in interceptions, pass breakups, 77 tackles in that season, and, hey, end up going undrafted. And, you know, other guys in the Pac-12 got drafted uh, before me. That was corners, Marquise League, Brandon Cooks, first round. I just got overlooked, man. And I sat in the hotel room myself and just cried. Like, I did everything right. I didn't talk to agents at the at the wrong time. Everybody was, was talking to agents that summer going into their senior season. Mm-hmm. I waited until after the season. I did it right, and I'm not getting treated right. What What do I got to do? Wow. wow. I mean, you know, just with that being said, it's like, you know, you're doing everything that you need to do. You're applying yourself. You're following the rules when you know that this is a game of it's a dirty game. It's a dirty game, and just and how all this stuff kind of works together. But with that being said, right, you in that hotel room, you're crying. What was your mindset when you decided to sign with Cleveland? What was your mindset um, as you approached your opportunity of living your dream of playing in the NFL? I was done. My mind was checked out. I was checked out. First time ever in my life I checked out of the game. Got a call from after the draft. I was talking to the coaches during the draft. Guaranteed that I was going first through third round. Guaranteed. Um, I'm talking about every team called me. You know, great pro day, everything. 4-3-8. <laughs> everything. Um, 
But my, my guy out in Darby called me. He's like, where you going? I said, I'm not going nowhere. He's like, what? I said, bro, I'm done. Like, what do you mean? I, I'm, I'm, I'm done, bro. Like, I, I, I led the nation. I was on top in the country. How you on top of the country? Setting the best receivers down in the game that went first round. Starting every special teams. Never getting off of the field until offense come on. Like... I don't understand it. He said, bro, I'm about to send, I'm about to send these coaches number to you. I said, I'm good. He said, bro, you're not done. You're the best player I've ever played with and ever seen in my life, bro. You can't quit. I'm not letting you. Call these numbers. Cleveland coach called me. He was like, hey, like Robert, we want you. I said, coach, I'm not coming. I'm good. Hung up. Darby called me back. I said, I'm done. He said, bro, please, Robert, don't do this, man. Don't do this. Please, bro, just pray about it and call one of these coaches. Prayed about it. Prayed about it. And Cleveland was on my mind. Out of all the coaches, I called him back. I said, hey, coach, you got a spot for me? He said, yeah, we got a spot for you. I said, I'm coming. I said, I'm going to tell you this right here, coach. I promise you I'm going to make this 53-man roster. I said, that's my word. You ain't going to see a, a rookie work harder than me or go harder than me. I got so much pain on my chest right now that I got to let out. And I appreciate if you would give me the opportunity. He, he, he was so excited. I spoke to the head coach. I spoke to the general manager on the phone, the deep coordinator. I even spoke to the offensive coordinator, and I told them the same exact thing. I promise you. And I know they didn't know they didn't think that I was gonna make that team, but they know the player that they were getting. But they didn't know the new player that they was getting after I didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, like after that, went up to Cleveland, just balled every day, grind every day. I didn't talk to nobody. I just grind, grind, grind. Wrote my goals down every single day. I cried every day. I didn't get the opportunities I was supposed to. They drafted guys over me. I had to be perfect every day. Wow, that's that's crazy. And like like you said, like most guys walking into an NFL locker room their very first time drafted or not, like that that's usually the best time of their lives, and they still just cherish that moment and just the fact that you know you just kind of had that mindset where you you know you thought you. You, you had the mindset where he's like, I'm done. I'm done with it. And it took you a lot to get back to that point of like, you know what? I still got a lot I want to prove and things like that. So it just, oh, yeah. it's just mean, it, it shows to me that you just, you're a very strong believer in your faith and just kind of like, right. that's what kind of motivates you and just kind of keeps you going and just kind of, just like kind of elaborate on kind of like, how do you, how did you get out of that? It just, just straight up faith that you have. I know you had your, your boy talking with you and stuff like that, but just you know, for guys that get into these these uh, little ruts and they think there's no, I think that's very important to kind of showcase that you got to keep grinding, you got to keep going, go after that dream, no matter how it didn't work out for you initially. But you know, well, it's because that was the that was the most pain I felt since I was four years old, man. And when I was four, I got left at a park at Duffield Park uh, when I was playing on the Pee Wee team. I got left at Duffield um, for like 12 hours, man, from like 
you know, nine all the way to late night. Nobody didn't come pick me up and check on me, my parents, no nothing. You know, and my parents were never together, so I'm walking around a still crying. And I sat in this one spot at Del Phil, and I just, you know, was crying my eyes, I was snot coming around. I said, you know what, I'm gonna make it to the NFL. So I will never feel like this again. And just in that hotel room, after everything I've accomplished, my accolades, it's, it made sense. It didn't plan out that way, and I'm like, this can't be right. Yeah. So that's why, that's the only, that's the first time since I was four years old, I felt that way. And that's why I was mentally checked out, because I'm like, I did everything I could do. I controlled what I could, and it still didn't work. Mm. So having the opportunity to come there as a rookie, I was gonna, I was gonna prove everyone wrong. And the general manager came to me, and he said, "Hey," he said, "You know, the practice was going." On. He said, "Hey, I want to get Robert, uh, send Robert over here." And um, he said, "Man, he had a Jordan in his right hand, and he had a LeBron James in his left hand. Which one are you going with, Jordan or LeBron?" Both. Oh, I'm going with the Jordan. You're going with the Jordan. Yeah, I'm going with the so Jordan. So he had one in the left hand, and he had he had a LeBron in the left and a Jordan with the right. He said, look at the field. He called me off. Everybody like, oh, man, they about to cut Nelly. I'm nervous. He like, just relax. Just relax. Just look at the field. Let's just talk. Let's just look at these shoes, and let's just talk. And uh, he said, uh, Ray Farmer, that's my guy. He said, uh, hey, Robert. So we know what we got with you. Unfortunately, we was able to get you cheap. We spoke to some guys. We're not going to say their name. They're some of the biggest coaches in the in the NFL. Well, he's the biggest coach in the NFL. If you get my point, I ain't going to say no names. And uh, you know, he knows your coach. I'm in college. Said, oh, you got you know character issues, anything and stuff like that. I said. Ray, I don't even talk to nobody. I've never been in jail. I've never failed a class. i never done anything. Like, I haven't even had a conversation with my coach, clearly. I just did what he said. I don't look, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't do this thing. He said, you know, they said something about your body language. But I just wanted you to know the reason why you didn't get drafted. Because your coach spoke to the most powerful coach in the NFL. So we knew... We didn't have to touch you. We didn't have to pay you. Because once he put his name on you as being that type of guy, no one's going to touch you. I'm like, wow. He said, but hey, this left shoe right here stands for you can play in a preseason game and you can make some plays and make a 53-man roster. But if you make... If you make... If you play in a game and you make a lot of mistakes and you get took up top, no one's going to pick you up. But this right shoe right here stands for a guarantee. We want to guarantee you a spot on a practice squad. And we don't want you to play in the preseason. We don't want no film on you. And we're going we're gonna to put money in your pocket and develop you. Which one are you going to go with? I said, I'm going with the guarantee. He said, all right, cool. Going back out there to practice. It's set. Don't play in no games. The coaches already know. 
you're not planning no games, you're not getting no film. He said, uh, we're going to develop you. You're our guy. I said, all right, boom. Wow. <laughs> listen, uh, listen, I'm sitting here. Uh, I want to say stunned, but I'm not really because I sat inside of draft rooms, right, Robert? And I, I've heard them talk about players and, t- and tell stories about guys that painted the picture that these guys were bad guys, that he had all this different stuff going on. And I knew guys who, who knew these guys personally, whether it be my high school coach coaching them, whatever it was, but... They have that power to be able to project, you know, or put something out there for a guy and affect his draft status, not knowing that or, or, or naive to the fact. But, you know, that these guys have worked their whole life to get to this point to be able to take care of their family, to live out their dreams. But they have so much power. And that's a part of my, my issue. And that'll be a topic for another for another day. But just the power that they have in these draft rooms and how they spread the perception because they don't really understand black kids because, you know, just because they don't understand you, they make it seems to be as is something negative, right? It, but, right. But, but if they were to take some time to say, you know what, it's something about him I don't understand. Let me dig a little deeper to try to understand or maybe let me talk to somebody that could understand and relate to him so with right. that man it's like you realize at that moment I guarantee you at that moment when you seen when he offered you those different shoes that the league is 90% business and 10% skill I say that all the time exactly Exactly. It, it's not about the guys, some of the guys being the better guys or what, but it's so much of a business and, a, and it's a big politic thing that goes on with that. So it's unfortunate, right. man. But, I, you know, again, you made that decision and having somebody like a Ray Farmer who happens to be an African-American GM who understands right. more than what the surface presents to come to you and have a conversation with you is what this league needs more he of. He played the game. Right. He played the game. He, he played in the league, so he knows. It's, so, it's, it's, and, and, and he didn't have to tell me that. Pope, he did not. Because he didn't have to tell me, but he he respected the grind. He know the people. He know a lot of guys from Florida. I got no combine invite also, so they didn't even have a chance to get to know me. Right. They just don't wow. go off word of mouth. And you know, I took it. You know, I was happy. That was the first time I felt relieved because I'm like, I'm gonna be here. You know what? That same week, seven DBs went down, including Joe Hayden and Buster Screen. So I had to play. I had I didn't even know the playbook. That's how checked out I was with that. He said, don't even worry about it. We're going to develop you this year. I didn't even know the playbook. That was the hardest playbook I ever learned in my life, playing corner and nickel and knowing all the special teams. I had to play. Got in the game, a couple plays, first play, no, the third play I got in the game, I I cut off, I was in a slot, I cut off a slant, broke it up, Jimmy Leonard uh, caught my deflection, ran it back for a pick six, they took me out of the game. Wow. Mm. Ray Farmer said, I told you not to get in the game. I said, we ain't have nobody else, they put me in, he said, you ain't playing no more, I'm not dressing you. Wow! <laughs> wow! Uh, that was that was against the Redskins, uh, 2014 season preseason. We come back uh, the next week. The Rams go. They didn't let me play. I played maybe two snaps. They took me out of there. 
that same week, three more corners got hurt. I said, man, this is this this God, man. <laughs> I'm nervous. They're like, hey, you might have to start. I'm like, yo, Ray don't want me to play this and that. They said, nah, we got to tell Ray. I said, y'all got to talk to Ray, coach. I'm not, you know, this the guy who gave me the opportunity. I'm not stepping on nobody's toes. I just want to play football and do what, what I'm told to do. Mm-hmm. Talked to Ray. Ray was like, hey, you might have to play. Got in the game, third play of the game, I caught a pick. Uh, we played against the Bears, the last game. <laughs> Ray called me on the phone. No, it wasn't Ray. It was a coach. It was like, fuck, 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 fuck. I told you not to get in the game. Now we got to sign you to the 53. Mm. Tell Leon he going back in the game. You're not playing no more. Click. <laughs> wow. Next next day, they cut Leon McFadden and Robert Nelson made the 53. Undrafted, wow. undrafted free agent. Wow. Undrafted free Wow, that that's that's just an amazing story of like how how you just faced adversity and just kind of faced it head on. Um, so, but uh, after after you know after you made the fifty three and everything like that, you know, um, your time with Cleveland, you know, eventually came to an end. And you came, you became kind of like a journeyman throughout the league. Um, I know you've uh, been with a couple of different teams. Um, right. So just just how does that like kind of explain to you? You know, a lot of people don't understand. Like you said, it's it's the business of the game. You know, people right. get traded, people get released, things like that. Just kind of how that affected you, just getting uh, let go or traded to different teams, and just kind of how you bounce back and just kind of keep your career. You, it's kind of like you're starting all over with a brand new team, and just kind of how that affected your mindset. It's just something that I can't control, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Pope just being there uh, with me with the Texans and seeing the type of guy I was and, you know, just, you know, I talk to Pope every day. I talk to everybody in, in every building I've been in. I even talk to the, the, the janitors, man. I, I treat everybody the same. Yeah. I love everybody around there. I don't act better than no one and I just grind. And I'm pretty sure, Pope, you can contest that I stayed in the locker room after practice all the way to 7 o'clock at night, damn near every day to get in that pool and do my extra workouts and do my stretches and and I even bought a hyperbaric chamber because I wanted my body to be in the best shape. I wanted to be able to go every day. And just, you know, I wanted to really start, man. So I did everything I could um, every year, man. And, you know, I think I rubbed some people wrong my first year when um, after my first year going into my second season with Cleveland, um, I ended up pulling my hamstring and they wanted to practice squad me and I felt that I should have been on the 53 still and I'm like hey I was on the 53 all last year I made plays I did this and that I know you guys got drafted people but I felt like you know um, if I perform well why should I be on the why should I be on the practice squad and um, Arizona called me and uh, they was like hey we know you still signed to a team. We're supposed to be talking to you. And this is a burner phone. If you <laughs> tell the NFL or any teams we reached out to you, we'll deny it. And um, we'll deny it to the end. But we want you to come up here now and play for the Cardinals. Just don't sign back. And 
that was the first time I knew it, but I wanted to be in Arizona. I could be closer to my nephew. I could watch him go to his games. I wouldn't have to pay rent in Arizona and in the NFL because now, you know, I was taking care of my nephew and paying for him while I was in the league. And I said, you know what? I just want to play ball. They said, hey, we're going to heal your hamstring for a couple weeks and we're going to activate you. And I was like, and I get to play with Patrick Peterson? Okay. <laughs> Went to Arizona. The Cleveland coaches calling me like, Nelly, like they cut me. And it was like, Nelly, look, we heard you going to Arizona. Don't leave the hotel. No, we want to sign you back. We're going we're gonna to activate you tomorrow. I said, coach, that doesn't make sense. Why would you cut me today to sign me back tomorrow? So it didn't make sense to me as a player to do that because they only wanted to sign me back when they knew I was leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to Arizona. Everything was good, man. They still was calling me like, look, don't sign a contract. We want you back. You know, so I think I burned the bridge with them there and those coaching staffs and everybody know each other in the league. So I kind of felt like I was doing what was best for me and my family and it wasn't good in their eyes. So, you know, I got that persona in the NFL of not being loyal because I was doing what was best for me and my family. So that's why I feel like I bounced around the different teams because in their eyes, I burnt the bridge when we're not really it's a business and I made a business move for my family absolutely so it's, it's always okay in a sense for them being the NFL whatever to make the decision that's best for them right and they don't have to explain it right they can make the exactly. whatever the best decision they feel but when it comes to a guy having his own power almost like what's happening with the NBA they 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 don't know how to react to that so but uh, you know we're gonna hold you too much longer but I, I I want to say this, and I've never had this conversation with you um, about this, but obviously, you know, being working with you and being around you, I knew what type of guy you were, and I saw the work that you put in. But what happened, I think, is that people didn't quite understand, you know, you know, the work and the commitment that you had, and they looked at it as if I've heard guys say this out of their mouth. He thinks he's Kareem Jackson. He thinks he's one of the first round guys because you wanted to take care of your body, because you requested certain kind of equipment that you feel was best for you. They looked right. at it as if this who this guy think he is, and it's mind blowing that you know people will feel that way and start to project and start to uh, categorize categorize you as a problem or something like that because you feel that you need the best that you know that you could have to perform at the level because you understood being an undrafted guy that you didn't have many opportunities to mess up right. so the, the you know I, I I seen guys and I've heard guys say this about you and I'm like dude you know I will say like do you even know the guy you know but they, they was like well n- not really well okay but you know so it's just like I've seen this firsthand even from a coach that you know when your time came to an end was he just never like he never liked you you know what I'm saying? Right. And it wasn't because you couldn't play. He just didn't understand you. So you, the writing was on the wall for you. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it, it's so unfortunate, man. But I think that it was all a part of your journey, all a part of your story that, you know, now that you are able to step off into, you know, other things and do things and even tell this story for people to be able to hear this one day and say, man, you know what? This is some stuff that I can learn from and apply to how I move moving forward. So, man, oh, yeah. we, 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 you know, we, we've had uh, quite a bit of time with you, but we want to let you plug what you got going on. Want to talk a little bit about your Awadika Wave? Just kind of go ahead and tell us about that. Put that out there so that we can, you know, so that people can know about a little bit about what you're doing. So, 
Grow Article Wave, I, I transitioned that from broke billionaires because I actually went to New York um, and I met with Russell Simmons and um, I didn't know about business like that. I, I, I went into that meeting without a non-disclosure agreement, right? Um, I didn't even know that my, my trademark was basically coming to an end. So just talking to him and his people um, with fashion, they just listened. I'm like, why Why are they not giving me advice? So they taking all my information. As soon as I walked out of that building, they was bidding for my name, the broke billionaire's name. Wow. Um, so that was my first step of learning this and that. You know, I was signed with Nike when I was in Houston. Um, and once I got cut from Houston, you know, I had, you know, I signed with Drew Rosenhaus my uh, last season there. And, uh, you know, um, after that, I just felt like everybody was, uh, you know, getting mad at me because I signed with Drew. They like, who did he think he is? But Drew reached out to me. And he said, I don't reach out to undrafted guys. So with that being said, I got let go from Houston and Nike dropped me the next day. Mm-hmm. And they set my account down. I'm like, wow. Sent me a letter like, hey, uh, we appreciate your time with Nike. We're letting you go. If you get back on the team, we will want you part of the family again. And I have that I have that framed in my house, just hanging up right now. I say, you know what? I'll never sign back with them again. I'm going to create my own clique. I'm going to create my own clothing line. I'm going to revamp it. Came up with the name of Wadika Wave. And I'm like, you know what? My belief is that everything is within the earth atmosphere and you can't get out of it just doing a lot of research and this and that so i felt like we trapped in this globe inside of this 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 ozone layer and the people on earth we're the waves so that's why i came up with oatica that's the ozone the wave is the people mm-hmm. we make this ozone work but if we don't catch balance with life or catch the wave with life, we're going to be unbalanced. So that's why it's Oatica wave and the slogan is catch the wave. Because if we don't balance with life, we're going to be miserable forever. Wow. So I started that, uh, made a couple, found a factory, made a couple sample cleats, you know, uh, did them that way turned out good. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to China. I flew out to China. Me and my girlfriend at the time flew out to China. Um, met with these factories. They picked us up. Um, had a translator on our phone, just going into at least 10 factories a day. 10. Boom, boom, boom. Selling fabrics. Selling things and seeing things that we never see in America until the next five years. I'm like, this is amazing started this brand, going in there, designing, hands-on, everything. Um, just created this thing and made it great, man. And, you know, our first product, the AAF came up, and, you know, the, the general manager, Phil Savage, with the Jets right now, he wanted me to play. So, you know what, this would be a great marketing scheme for the, for the brand. I'm going to wear my cleats every game, every practice. I wouldn't wear it on Nikes. I wouldn't wear anything. I wore my own gloves that I made, my own socks, my own sleeves, my own cleats, my own visors that I made, my own apparel to warm up because I use this as a whole marketing thing. 
and I show people that I could create something great and perform great in this. And I balled down in that league wearing my stuff every play and letting people know that, hey, just because you're in the NFL on me, you have to sign with Nike, Adidas, exactly. Under Armour, anybody. You could go create your own stuff. Or you could come on to the Owatica Wave brand and we'll create you your own cleat and your own apparel line and you will be able to make money off of it instead of giving other people free advertisement just for free clothing. Wow. Wow. That's so I created this platform to set up for other players who want to, you know, set up a future for their family or actually make money off of what they're representing instead of doing things for free. Wow. Hey, that's great, man. Um, tell tell the people where 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 they can find Awatica. Like, is there um, where can they get some Awatica gear at? Um, can they go online or where can they find it at? Man, you can you can you can go on our Instagram page, Awatica O A U T I C A underscore Wave W A V E, or you know you could uh, you could go online at Awatica dot com O A U T I C A dot com or where we have a store, Fashion Square Mall in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. It's the, the biggest mall in Arizona, number one tourist mall in Arizona. We just launched the store uh, two days ago, September 15th. Um, so we're in here now, man, and it's, you know, we're, we're doing real great things. And, you know, we even, we're even over there in the CFL um, with, 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 with Alan Darby, my guy who, who, who made sure that I made that call. He has his own cleats, the Juice Mans, and they're under the brand. So, man, we're, we're doing big things right now, and, and we're just blessed. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Man, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you stopping in and talking with us. We took some of, so much of your time. Man, I've been seeing your cliques pop up in all type of NFL locker rooms. Two guys been posting right, them, right. man. So, man, you're on the right track, bro. You're on the right track. Keep your head down. Keep working. We appreciate you stepping in and, and talking with us for a moment, man. We wish you nothing but the best, man. And uh, thanks again for chatting with us on What's the Hype. All right. Thank you, guys, man, for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love. all my life. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, I'm married to this guy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.